0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode, I think this is episode 15 of Now We're Talking, a podcast about communication skills. I'm Rob Danish from the University of Waterloo, and I'm a professor of communication studies. And in our last episode, we were talking about words, uh, what a word is, and so I figured in this episode, we should talk about what a sentence is. And uh, this should be perhaps the simplest Uh, the simplest sort of episode that I can imagine. Um, But having this little insight should be the most important thing for improving your writing skills. At least it's the most important way I know of to improve a student's writing skills. Um, I get university level students that can answer the question. Almost none of them can answer the question. What's a sentence? And I ask them this all the time. And if you're listening to this and you can't tell me what a sentence is that is a huge problem i don't know how you could write well unless you knew what it is that you were doing when you're writing so writing a sentence involves putting some words together into a large clump okay, okay but what constitutes an actual sentence um english is, well let me give you the definition of a sentence first a sentence is a structure of logical relationships so You don't just clump a bunch of words randomly together. You clump a bunch of words together inside a structure. And those words are related to one another in particular ways. So a sentence is a structured way of relating, a structured and logical way of relating more than one word. Okay? So a sentence is a structure of logical relationships. It's a structure within which more than one word fits together in a logical way. English, the English language, and this is not true for all the languages on the planet. Not true at all. English is what's called an SP or an SV language. What that means is that in English, every sentence must have a subject and a predicate. The main logical structural relationship in an English sentence is the relationship between the subject and the verb, and you do not have a sentence unless you have... A relationship between a subject and a verb in English and in English the subject is the thing doing the action the verb is the action that's why English is such a it's an action-oriented language not all like I said not all languages are like that but when a language has a sentence that sentence is a structure of logical relationships in English the main logical relationship the main structure of a sentence is the relationship between subject and verb that's it period so When you sit down to write, what are the two most important things? Or what's the most important thing? The most important thing is making sure there's clarity and precision around the main structural relationship of each sentence. Around the, in other words, around the relationship between subject and verb. Um, Style, by the way, writing style is a way of crafting sentences by working out the kind of structural relationships and logical relationships between words in the sentence. So sometimes, and uh, we'll talk at some point about uh, public speaking, public speaking relies on what are called schemes. Schemes are pattern structural relationships between words. They're ways of organizing the words in a sentence to give them rhythm, to give them uh, balance, to give them a kind of uh, uh, pace and a kind of shape that impacts the audience that's listening in a particular way. The singles for writing, you know, Hemingway had a famous kind of style because he used shorter sentences that were more tightly structured. Um, Thomas Pynchon has a different kind of style. Uh, there are these, or Thomas Pynchon might not be the best example, but um, uh, there are longer. There's, there are authors with longer, more complicated styles. Um, those complicated styles have to do with how the sentence branches off around the main structure of subject and verb. Okay, so um, what does it mean for your writing when you know that the main structure relationship of an English sentence is subject-verb relationship? Well, first of all, any, any sentence you write, you should be able to tell me instantly what the main subject and what the main verb is. And if you can't, the sentence stinks. End of story. If you write a sentence and you don't know what the main subject, and main verb is, what the main structural relationship of the sentence is, then forget it. The sentence will not be good. It will not be clear to an audience. It will not be effective. It will not impact the audience in the way that you want it to. The effect it will have is that it will be confusing. So whenever a student hands me a paper and I find the writing confusing, I hand the student back the paper and I point to a sentence and I say, tell me what the main structural relationship is in this sentence. They usually look at me like I'm crazy, like, they have no, no idea what I'm talking about. And then I tell them, okay, a sentence is a structure of logical relationships. And in English language, the structural the main structural relationship is between subject and verb. So I'm asking you what the main verb and what the main, main subjects are in the sentence. And is the subject doing the action of the verb? Then the student kind of like fusses around and looks around for the main subject and main verb. And sometimes they get it and sometimes they don't. Um, it could be a painful process. But odds are, if the sentence is unclear, it's unclear because that main structure relationship is unclear. So what do you do? Well, there's a couple, I have a couple, very, very, like three, extremely simple rules of thumb for writing sentences, for writing good sentences, for writing the kinds of sentences that will produce the kinds of effects that you want to write. Rule number one is perhaps the simplest of all possible rules, but... Um, You should choose subjects and verbs that are more concrete, not abstract. Choose subjects or verbs that are concrete, not abstract. So here's an abstract uh, subject. Lots of people. So you can write a sentence, lots of people run the marathon. That's an abstract subject. Lots of people is abstract because it's very hard to point to in the world. It's very hard to know precisely and exactly. It's very hard to get a an, an concrete picture in my head of that particular subject. Now, if I had said alternatively, 1,000 Massachusetts residents ran the Boston Marathon. 1,000 Massachusetts residents is now the subject. Now I can picture 1,000 people, 1,000 people from Massachusetts. It has a higher degree of concreteness. So the effectiveness of a sentence can often be tested by the concreteness of the subject, by the extent to which the subject can be seen or felt or imagined or pictured in the mind of the listener or reader. So improve or advance the concreteness of the subject. The same goes for the verb. Um, Concrete verbs are verbs, the action of which you can see really, really clearly. Abstract verbs are verbs... That you can't see really clearly what it is. Uh, The the most abstract verbs or the most abstract verb in the English language is often the verb that we use the most in most sentences, which is to be, is, or are. So um, two parties are conducting negotiations. That sentence makes the main verb are, it makes it to be. That is abstract. The sentence is not terribly effective. If I change the sentence to two Two parties conducted or uh, two parties conducted negotiations. Now the main verb is conducted. Conduct is something I can see more clearly than to be. Um, many times in English, we create what's called a helping verb. And the helping verb, uh, well, to, many times that we, we use to be or to have and we kick the main verb down the line in the structure set of structural relationships. That's okay sometimes, it's, it's not so terrible. Um, but more often than not, if you can get the concrete verb uh, in the main verb position of the sentence, then all the better. I often have my students listen to Bruce Springsteen, and I'm admittedly a, Bruce, a big Bruce Springsteen fan, but one of the things that makes Bruce Springsteen's lyricals, lyrics so wonderful is that they are filled, filled with concrete verbs. There's always subjects doing actions, and the actions are really concrete. You know, they're running. There's they're they're, um, they're sweating. They're they're doing actions in the world, and it's full of concreteness. Those lyrics are full of concreteness. Writing that tends to be full of concrete verbs and concrete nouns is just more impactful. Okay, so rule one. Now that you know the major structural relationship of sentences um, between subject and verb, rule number one is to use. Um, Uh, concrete subjects and verbs not abstract subjects and verbs. Rule number two is to never bury the verb. In English, and I have so many students that bury the verb, burying the verb is a terrible habit that students have. And by burying the verb, I mean taking the main concrete action of the sentence and taking it out of that structural, the main structural position, and moving it to some other part of the sentence. So I'm gonna give a few examples of this. Uh, That's the only way I know to make it clear, but um, here's an example. The first sentence will be an example of a buried verb, and then the second sentence is when you've unburied the verb. So the company has the intention to bring out a new product. So has the intention makes has the main verb of the sentence. But here's the better sentence. The company intends to release the new product. So the main, the, the verb, the action of that sentence is the intending. But in the first part, I said the company has the intention. I've buried the main action someplace else in the sentence. And by bringing it back to the main verb position, the company intends on releasing a new product. The sentence is clearer, more precise, more direct, more impactful. Here's another example. These conditions are applicable when it's raining. Okay, are applicable to be makes applicable or moves moves the, the main verb, which is to apply actually out of the main out of the main verb position and moves it down the line. So these conditions apply when it's raining. It's a better sentence. It's more clear, more precise, more impactful. The outcome is dependent on. No, it should be the outcome depends on. This method leads to a reduction of. No, it should be this method reduces. I will make a recommendation that. No, it should be I recommend that. In that sentence I make a recommendation make becomes the verb and to recommend moves down the line in the in the sentence to some other position when the recommending is the actual main action of the verb and it's the thing that you're going the subject is doing anyway so go back and to return to this method leads to a reduction of so in English this method is the subject there's a big difference between the method leading to something and the method reducing something so really what I'm trying to say in that sentence is that the method is doing the reducing. that the subject is performing the action of reducing. It's not performing the action of leading. It's performing the action of reducing. So I get an unclear or bad sentence when that main structural relationship is obscured. One of the ways I obscure the relate, that main structural relationship is to bury the verb down, bury the main verb down the line, bury the concrete action thing down the line. Um, so the method reduces not the method leads to a reduction of. Um, Okay, so use concrete subjects and verbs, not abstract ones. Don't bury the verb. Here is the third extraordinarily simple rule of thumb for writing more clearly and more precisely. Move the main verb as close to the beginning of the sentence as possible. Traditionally, um, The main verb should come in the second grammatical position in an English sentence. Unfortunately, we often write many, many sentences that have a bunch of junk at the beginning. And sometimes that junk is appropriate. Sometimes you need a prepositional phrase to begin a sentence. At the time, uh, uh, at the time I was writing this, Jim knocked on my door. Okay, fine. Jim and knocked. That's the main structural relationship of that sentence prepositional phrases at the time at the time I was writing this comes at the beginning and is separated off by a comma Meaning it's the dependent clause. All all that's fine Um, The sentence is perfectly fine But when you get into really long sentences and the main verb is buried far 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 down the line Even if it's not in a buried position even if it's still in the active second grammatical position it can become uh, hard for the reader to detect the main action of the sentence. So you want to put the verb as the main verb as close to the beginning of the sentence as possible. Um, I tell my students, you know, you do these three things: you choose concrete nouns, concrete subjects, and concrete verbs. You don't bury the verb, and you put the verb at the beginning of the as close to the beginning of the sentence as possible. Your writing will instantly improve. It will improve because you'll be much more clear. This is the way to master the value of clarity and precision, or these are three primary ways of, in English at least, mastering the value of clarity and precision. And I want to be clear that I am talking about the English language here. Uh, Same goes for Romance languages for the most part, although I I'm know i no expert in that. There are lots of other languages that, if you're listening to this, you may speak. I, I don't understand Mandarin or Cantonese or what the main structural relationship of a sentence is in Mandarin um, or, or in Turkish or, or other kinds of languages. These rules probably don't apply and might not apply at all. Um, but English is a language of doing. It's a language of action. And it's a language of action because that main structural relationship is between subject and verb. And the subject is the thing doing the action and the verb is the action. That has to be there in, for a sentence to be a sentence. Um, so making sure the verb is concrete, making sure it comes as close to the beginning of the sentence as possible, and making sure it's not buried in in an unhelpful way is the quickest way to become a more direct and clear writer. Um, So at the very least, the very least, you should be able to look at your own writing and pick out the main subject-verb relationships or main subject-predicate relationships. You should be able to pick out the extent to which the subjects and verbs you're using are concrete and not abstract. And you should be able to identify with uh, whether or not you're using verbs or whether or not verbs are, are in the second grammatical position often enough in, in your writing. Um, A couple of other smaller, um, smaller things to note. Uh, There's a couple of things that especially the the more advanced you get in education. And so we think that graduate students and undergraduate, advanced undergraduate students, um, I tend to see the phrase there is and there are or it is often in writing. There is or there are, and it is, are classic examples of terrible sentences. Even though there is and there are is a very popular way to write. And as someone, um, so my French is is pretty terrible. But I have two kids who speak French fluently, and they they make fun of my French sometimes. And but if I find myself struggling to express something in French, I'll I'll just go to a sentence that starts with there is or there are, and. Uh, what I'm doing, what I'm saying when I do that is I'm saying like, I don't really know what I want this sentence to do because I don't really know what the main concrete subject and verb are here. And so I'm trying to avoid <laughs> actually telling my reader what it is I'm after in the sentence uh, because I don't know what what, I, what it is that I'm after. And so it's the same applies when I see there is a there are in English. Um, there is or there are is a tear, It's like static in your writing. It's noise. It's it's nothing. It's nothing because there is the most abstract subject of a sentence you can get, and then you're combining it with the most abstract verb. And you know when you have a sentence that begins with there is or there are, that the main structural component, the thing that is really the action and the thing that is really the subject, is somewhere buried down the line in the rest of the sentence for the reader to go and find. And the writer, him or herself, couldn't even figure out what it is that they wanted to do in that sentence. So they abdicated the responsibility of choosing the main structural relationship and just labeled it there is or there are and tacked on the meaning later on in the sentence. Um, So you should avoid there is or there are. And the thing goes for it it is. You should also avoid what are called uh, noun clusters. A noun cluster is when you line up a bunch of nouns together and it becomes unclear what the actual noun is. So I heard the phrase recently, computer services management group. That's a noun cluster. There's four nouns in a row. Uh, Any one of those could be the main noun or the main subject of a sentence, and I become unsure which one it is. Um, Spam filtering solutions is another noun I heard recently. Now, if that were the subject of a sentence, it's just a noun cluster sounds bad and it uh, can potentially lead to ambiguity or a lack of of precision. Um, Here's another, these are smaller kind of rules of thumb for structural relationships, but you should avoid needlessly complex verbs. I hear, I I see, the three I see, um, the two I see most often are facilitate and utilize. Um, utilize, we use utilize instead of use, we use facilitate instead of, instead of cause. Sometimes we use prioritize instead of assess. Um, these are all not good because, for example, utilize is more abstract than use. Use is more concrete. So if the main verb of the sentence is utilize instead of use or facilitate instead of cause... Then I'm intentionally making the sentence more abstract, and therefore intentionally making it more imprecise and less clear. And that's not what you want to do. Um, yeah, you want to avoid that at all costs. Um, okay, so um, I have to draw this to a close, and then we have to go to it. There's going to be a second. Um, we'll have to do a second episode on grammar. So the first thing you know about a sentence is that the structure of logical relationships. The main logical relationship is between subject and verb. Those are the rules for, for writing clearly. Don't bury the verb. Put the verb as close to the beginning of the sentence as possible. Use concrete verbs and concrete subjects. Control the main subge- sub the main structural relationship of a c- control the main structural relationship of a sentence, and you'll become a better writer. The second thing to note is that grammar revolves around indicating all of the other structural relationships around that major structural relationship. So grammar is about understanding the way the other parts of the sentence hang off the main structural relationship. So what a prepositional phrase is, what an adverb is, what an adjective is, what an object of a sentence is, what a direct object is, what an indirect object is, how to use a comma, how to use a semicolon, how to use a period, how to use an apostrophe, All the marks of the English language and the other kinds of words that aren't subjects and and predicates indicate structural relationships between the main relationship of the sentence and the other words that are coming along. So um, we manage, we write effective sentences when we're effectively managing the relationship between the words, the logical relationship between the words and the sentence. You do that primarily by controlling the main structural relationship between subject and verb. And secondarily, you do it through knowing the marks of the English language and knowing how and when the other kinds of words relate to um, the uh, the main structural relationship of the sentence. So next week, we'll have to get into basically uh, some basic grammar, some basic marks of the English language and and what they do, how they indicate structural relationships between words inside sentences. Okay, Uh, but that's it for for this week. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for listening, and uh, I hope that you're back next week. Thanks. Bye.